Hello and welcome to the AdNub podcast, the podcast for the Adelaide.net user group. I'm your host, David Gardner. This is a recording from our March 2017 meeting. Microsoft MVP Roman Zandi covers the different types of reality experiences and focuses on mixed reality of HoloLens. And now, over to the presentation. Good evening, everyone. Um, so just let me get used to this headset. I feel um, proven donor at the moment. I don't think my ears are quite even off. Um, so yeah, so I've been out to the high school this afternoon, and that was quite exciting. Um, when I see you guys can match their energy level, they were um, very full on. Um, it got very, very, very excited. Um, so today, um, I'm down here to talk to you. Um, it's called the reality check. I'm going to be talking about the different. VR, AR, and MR, and mainly about HoloLens. So, um, start with the definition. So, the definition of reality um, is the state of things as they actually exist, rather than they, as they may appear or might be imagined. So, what we're going to go through today is the different realities and the current lay of the land. Um, what is HoloLens in Windows Holographic, which just got renamed earlier in the week to Mixed Reality. And then I'm um, going to show a few different HoloLens demos, which is sure what you guys actually are interested in seeing. So let's start with the first one. Virtual Reality. Um, how many people here have uh, owned or used an Oculus or a Vive? Cool. How many people own one? Anyone built stuff for it? Cool. So with virtual reality, um, as the word implies, it's completely virtual. So you're fully immersed in a completely fabricated world. The whole world has to be rendered and you interact with that world virtually. And if you, the guys that have used it, um, it has come a really long way. Like, I remember first seeing it many years ago, early versions when I was in high school, it was terrible. Um, now it's come so far. Um, I still get issues with um, getting to where I move sideways, where I'm not moving sideways, but my stomach then feels like it's moving sideways. So I still feel sick using it sometimes. Um, I'm, quite, I'm fine in um, some of the car games and the flying games where the vehicle's moving, I'm sitting still, but if you get some of that sideways straightening, that's when my stomach just says, that's enough for now. Um, it's, it's an amazing experience. You can use it for, it has great applications for training and obviously pretending to be in different environments. Obviously the user, you have the problem of being in amongst you know, your own furniture and you have no idea that you're about to fall down the stairs or trip over the chair. Really great for those sorts of um, where you need to replace your whole environment. The next one is your augmented reality. Um, it's been around a really, really long time. Um, it got really popular, I guess, a couple of years ago with a little game called Pokemon Go. Anyone played that or had their kids doing up so good? Yeah, so that's when like, sort of everyone actually knew what augmented reality was. So augmented reality is placing something into your own environment. So it used to be, like, it has been around a long time. It was popular with, um, like, scanning tags. Like, you can, you can use a simple webcam and have a tag that it scans, and then 
on the screen would then show a different image. So if you were looking at, say, an IKEA catalog and a barcode for the couch, it could pop up on your screen a little 3D model of the couch in a 2D sort of environment. That's a augmented reality. So when we move over to mixed reality, which is what Microsoft is calling what the HoloLens is, that's where you end up with the augmented reality feel. So you're in your perfectly rendered own world, but then you get to interact with things hologram, but you get to interact within your world. So the thing that really, to me, sets it apart is the thing that they call spatial mapping. So what it'll do is, as you're looking around, it'll be mapping the room. Um, and it'll know that things exist there. So it will know that in front of me here, there is a surface that is higher than the floor. And it will know that these steps have a certain shape. It may not know that they don't, it doesn't necessarily know it's a step, but it knows that it has a surface. So what I can do is I can take a virtual wall. So I've got a holographic wall. I can drop that in my real world. It can land on a real table and stop with gravity. I can tip the table and the ball can roll off the table. It's that next level of interaction, which um, to me makes it really different and really quite engaging. Um, so has anyone used a HoloLens? A couple of people. Cool. And anyone built anything for it yet? You are up to your own one? Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, um, this is what the device looks like. For those of you guys who haven't seen it. So what you'll notice is different about it compared to your Vives and your Oculus is that you'll notice there's no cable there. So um, when I turn it on a bit later, I won't, I won't, sorry, I won't tether this to my computer at all. It's completely self-contained. So inside this headset, which at the moment is still you know, kind of chunky, um, is more computer power than your average laptop. So it's running Windows 10. Doesn't need any external wires or markers or cameras. So for those of you by, they set up the little markers around the room. So this has got the um, instead of having them, it's got it uses the tracking from inside it. So it knows where you are in relation to everything else around the room. Doesn't need a connection to a phone or a PC. So it runs by itself. Um, you can obviously connect it to the internet if you need to get things off the web and connect to external APIs and stuff like that. So untethered, I think, makes it quite a, a different proposition as well. So because you can walk around freely, I can you know, walk down the street, I can walk around the room, and I don't have to be near that computer. So here's just a little summary um, of where they sort of fit in between each other. So the augmented reality augments with helpful information. So that is also HoloLens. Um, blends holograms with your real world that's where HoloLens is really up by itself at the moment. There's a couple of other competing devices. Um, you've got your Metas, your Daiquiris, um, and Magic Leap, um, which isn't out yet. But everyone that I've spoken to that has used the, um, I haven't actually managed to use one myself, um, says that the tracking on this is way beyond anything else. 
um, can transport you to a virtual world. So you can use I mean, the you can use the Hololens to do a virtual reality application. It's just not designed specifically for it. So it's not going to be high res and as immersive as a pure VR device, but you could use it for some VR stuff. You'll see a few of the apps on the store are actually more virtual reality than mixed reality. And replaces the real world. That's where it's really designed for a virtual reality device where you've got that headset completely immersed. So it's got a bunch of tech in it. Um, a bunch of little sensors. And you'll see at the front, there's a bunch of cameras as well to give the depth and, and give you a color feed. And then under here, these little uh, orange blurry things, that's what gives you the spatial sound. So you hear stereo sounds through them, through your ears. It's quite, quite loud to the user. I mean, you can change the volume and standing away from it, you don't hear it as loudly. Um, and the good thing about spatial sound is it's in relation to the thing that you're interacting with. So if I face this way and there's something behind me making a noise to my left, here to my left ear, but then if I turn around and it's behind my right shoulder, it'll move to it moves around in relation to where it is to you. Um, see that really cool spatial feeling, which is a bit different to sitting still in a chair in the, in the movies and it moves, it moves with, with you turning. So what is uh, the framework? Uh, it was formerly called Windows Holographic. So what, they, what Microsoft have done is they have built a whole framework. So they've gone a bit all in on this. They haven't just built this device. They've um, also built this whole framework that they can build on, which I think is really quite smart. So what it means is that they can license that and then other people can build devices. So once you've learned how it works, you can apply it to other things. So you're not going to just be locked into that specific device. Um, that device at the moment is quite expensive. Um, it just came available in Australia in November this year. It costs for the developer edition four and a half grand. And then if you want the one that has the warranty, it's closer to seven. You laugh, but um, who had an Oculus? Or five? So they're about a grand with the touch controllers, right? Yeah. And then to use it, you need a PC with a really decent video card. So you're looking back three and a half grand. Yeah, so similar. You don't need anywhere near as powerful computer. It obviously works better, but you don't need a uh, NVIDIA 1080 card to, to develop for it. So if anyone's recently saw the announcement, um, so they partnered with a few different people to build these other types of devices. So the one that made the big announcement the other night was the Acer one. So they're the first ones to actually show what they're going to actually send out. So this is the blue one is the one they, uh, sorry, the orange one is the one they first showed as a prototype, and then this is the one they were talking about the other night. So you'll notice that this, these ones are actually tethered. So these ones are aimed at this sort of $300 US um, market, so a much cheaper device. So uh, it's still using the inside-out tracking as opposed to having markers around the room. Um, it's got two high-res screens that are 1440, and with a refresh of about 90 hertz. And it's got a built-in audio and mic, three and a half millimeter jack, so then you could plug that into your PC to do the development on. HDMI 2 and USB 3. So they're looking at that being about 300 
US and you can start applying now to be on the list for shipping. Um, so that'll be the first one that comes out. So then if we look through some of the other ones, so that one's the one from ASA. This is the Dell one. So again, it looks like it's going to be a tethered device and a bit more Oculus-y looking. HP again. And then this one's called Three Glasses. Yeah, so all those devices look quite similar. So they haven't gone with the fully see-through goggles like these guys have. So they've gone for the more VR type experience with using some of the tech on the whole lens. So that's the first one. So what I'll do first is show you what the HoloLens can do. Because um, that's what you guys are here to see. So before we start on that, um, there's a few things you need to learn about how to use the HoloLens. So the first one is that the HoloLens like to choose and look at uh, select things like a mouse cursor. It uses gaze. So when we're talking about gaze, um, it's not your eyeballs. So moving your eyes left to right is going to do nothing for you. So what you need to do is turn your head. So you need to do, and we can all do this together, we can look to the left and look to the right. And that will move the mouse cursor. So wherever your head is pointing is where the cursor will go. Got that? Yep. So then the next one, there is a few gestures that we need to learn. So the first one is they call the air tap. So I'm going to teach you two different ways because I've found that a few people have issues with the official way. So the first one is the official way is I'm going to stand sideways so you can see me and then you can all help. So you need to hold your hand out front of you so that you need to be able to always see your hand. So when you're gazing, like this is not going to work. You need to like be kind of robotic and twist from your stomach. So always being able to see the finger. Yeah, so finger straight up in the air. Yeah. And then what we're going to do is we're going to bend from the knuckle on the finger. So we're going to go straight down. Now that's an air tap. And then for anyone that finds that hard or painful, so um, I taught someone the alternate way that I'm going to show you. He came back and told, told me that he played with the whole lens the day before um, at Ignite for 20 minutes and he ended up really sore here. So it was like RSI from HoloLens clipping. Um, but when I showed him the alternate way, he said that it was actually a lot more comfortable. So the other way that I found that works really well for people um, is to do a C. So hold your hand like that, C, and then do so like a crocodile and a pitch. So that's the other way to do it. So it depends which one you find more comfortable and which one interacts with you better. So just, you have to just remember that you have to hold it out in front of your face. You hold your hand behind your back. Funnily enough, the um, headset can't see your hands, so it doesn't matter if The next one that we need to know is the bloom. So bloom is reset. So whenever you get stuck, you're finished, you need to go back to main menu. This is the go-to gesture. So this one's like a flower. So we start with our hand scrunched up in front of us. And then we're just going to open our fingers like a petal. Now that's called bloom. That's the main one that you need to do. And the only additional one is after you've air tapped is you can lock quite often drag. So um, after you've closed your fingers, you don't need to keep it pinched. You can then, if you want to find it more comfortable, you can just use a fist. Yep. Cool. Okay, so then when it comes to putting the HoloLens on, 
Who's uh, who's uh, used a bike helmet? Most people. Cool. So um, it's a bit like a bike helmet, and it's a bit like one of those really cheap bike helmets that don't have lots of support because I think it's trying to fit like everyone's head rather than different sizes of heads. So um, it moves in and out here, but the difference, you still get bike hair, um, bike helmet hair, but the difference is that instead of wearing it sort of here, is you wear it a bit more, this is where this isn't going to work, um, a bit more like a halo. And then the goggles sit over the front of your face and you look through them. So um, they adjust in and out as well. So for anyone that wears glasses, you can leave your glasses on. Now, when you set up your whole lens, um, you can configure it to your own eyeballs. So it uses your pupil distance. So anyone that has a go at it tonight, if it looks a bit blurry, um, it could just be that you have different enough eye pupil distance width to me to make it look a bit odd. Um, it, but you can then configure it to yourself later. I've just set it up for me. Um, haven't had too much trouble so far. Um, but yeah, that's just, if you get any of that sort of blurriness, it might, that might be just what it is. So, um, who wants to be my first volunteer? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty keen? And you don't have one, right? Okay, so. Uh, So I can stream what he can see to the screen so you guys can see as well. <laughs> you can just watch him for a minute while I set this up because just the expression when people use it is pretty cool. I just love when people first put this thing on it. Um, it's quite funny. So with the live stream, it can be a bit delayed. So what you'll see on the screen So what you see on the screen here may be a little bit behind what you can actually see him doing, okay? So at the moment he's playing in the Holograms app, but um, he's got it pretty good actually, and I'm pretty impressed. Okay, so if you, yeah, so he's just placed a hologram in the room in space, so you can walk all the way around it, you can walk, you know, you can go underneath it, yeah, and then the only thing, obviously, that you can't do that you want to do as soon as you see it is touch it, because it's not real. Now, thinking about our definition of reality, can we think what it would look like? Wait, it looks kind of weird now, right? He's walking around interacting with something that's not there. Um, think about 100 years ago. If someone saw him doing this and then, do you think he'd end up moving pretty quick? It's just, I did um, Holographic Academy when I first used this two years ago, and there was a room full of people with hololenses all walking around interacting with a car that wasn't there to everyone else. So just to stand back and watch 30 people interacting with nothing was really quite 
interesting. Always turn the game on. Okay, so the one I want to get you to open. So if you do your bloom action for me, yeah, and do it one more time. Yep, and then see the plus sign. Can you go to the plus sign for me? You've got this down, and you go to the one called Dibby. Yep. And then just place that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, so the problem with your hololenses, uh, holograms is you have to like remember where you put them. I usually try to put the panes on a wall. Oh, let's go get where I put them now. When you stand there for a little bit, I can see that. Yeah, so it'll come up in a minute. So what he's going to see is uh, a diprotodon. And does anyone know what a diprotodon is? Does anyone know what it is? Yeah, so it's an Australian megafauna, so it's a prehistoric wombat. So what we've got here is we've oh he's already found all what I've turned on. Um, so we've got a colour version, we've got a scanline version. So I did this as a demo for another talk, I think. Um, so he's just sitting in space. Now what he can do is every time he air taps is we'll create another diaphragm on. I call it Dippy because diaphragm's like way too long. Yeah, so he can go insane. Yes, you're trusted. <laughs> okay, so you want to stop that for a minute. Yeah, cool. Okay, so the other thing, other way you can interact with the HoloLens is using voice. So I've hooked up a few voice commands here. So when he looks, so you might want to create one sort of by itself somewhere, anywhere. When he looks at it and he says certain words, it'll do things. So if you're looking at that one now, if you say meat mail, I make it bigger and blue. Then if you want to make it female. Did you go to my other talk? No, I just... I just <laughs> and so, so what's your third guess? Um, what is that? <laughs> no, try and make baby. Make baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you have to air tap. When you're looking. Or you can air tap, move back a bit. Right. Yeah. You can't, yeah, you need to put both hands out. <laughs> yeah, and so with this guy, so I've set the clipping painting to be really shallow, so you can get up really close. So you can get up to like 10 centimeters away from him before he starts coming out. And then you can look down at his claws. Yeah, there's a clip. Like, you're right on him now. Yeah, so but you can, like, bend down and, like, get a good look at his claws. <laughs> can I just say, I think, what do you reckon the kids play for 30 minutes with this? They had too much fun today with this. They were, like, putting them on each other. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is too much fun. Cool. So, that's the first bit. So, you want to go out to back to the mini for me and I'll show you that there's something else. Go again. Oh, I just, okay, this is the oh. Yeah, so these are all the things you've pinned around. 
So um, the other thing I want to get you to show them is as you um, sort of look around away from the menu and you sort of air tap on things out near the um, uh, air tap out near the table and stuff. It does the spatial map. It'll show you how it's mapping the room. So every time you air tap, it'll show you the the mesh. So as you can see, as he's looking around, it's knowing that like there's a shape there. Like it's not super precise, but you can see that you can make out the shape of the person. If he clicks near, like walks over near the table, and does the table. You sort of get a feeling for the room, and it's actually I was really quite amazed when I first used it how fast it does it. So you can see about four meters, but what happens is as you walk around the room, it increases. So it builds on that room. So what you can do is you can start at the end of one hallway and walk all the way to the other, and then slowly build up that spatial mapping in the room. So it has a whole idea of everything. And then what it can do is it'll know the difference. You can work out the difference using some toolkits um, to tell the difference between a wall and a floor and a ceiling, which helps you work out placing those things. Ah, so yes, so what you can do is you can record the room, and then what you can do is you can, I'll show you this later, uh, kind of, where you can do it. You can import that so that you can use it in the emulator. Yeah. Cool. So I'll just, while he's playing with that, um, I'll just flip over to show you. So there's two places that you can do the streaming from, and this is really useful as well. So there's, um, there's two apps. There's one called the HoloLens Companion app, which is that one there which is the one we were looking at, so that's giving you the live stream. There. Now, that one, um, even though the HoloLens is now available in other countries, the problem with it at the moment is when you go to that app in the store, it says you can't have it. So, you just have to change the US, like regional computer, download it, install it, and then flip back and install it. Don't know why they've done that. So that's that's the Windows 10 app. So that's handy. So that's got your live stream. You can take photos. Um, you can do keyboard and stuff like that. Um, so I'll talk about those commands in a minute. And then the other one is because um, it's on my network, uh, you can go into the network settings and I can see what IP address uh, that whole ones is that. So then all you do is open up any browser on your computer, and all I did here was I typed in the IP address up here. And then I've set up a username password on it. And then from there, you can get to all sorts of things. So here we can do, um, it's very similar. So we can do a live preview, we can record. So if you want to take a video of someone using it, take a photo. And you can choose which things you want to capture. So we can capture the holograms, the camera. You can also pick up the mic as well. So if you want to record the sound that's coming out of it. And then you can do some tracing, you can set up, um, you can check out what apps are running and close them down remotely, because um, sometimes things get stuck. So this, um, this one here is really useful for doing some of those little debugging things as well. Cool. Thanks. I'll be back now for a bit. What do you think? Very, very cool. So had you used another device? It's different, right? It's a very different paradigm. Yeah. Cool, thank you.
Uh, let me just turn my streaming on, otherwise this computer's going to be a bit slow. And you don't want to watch the... Um, So how many people here um, are .NET developers? Yeah, and how many people have written universal apps? One. <laughs> I did this talk in Brisbane and I had the same problem. So I'm going to do this one quickly because if you're not having written universal apps, it's probably not a spell thing. So the easiest way to start if you have an existing app is if you have a universal Windows app, uh, when you submit it to the store, you can tick the Windows holographic button. And what will happen is when they approve it, it will appear on the Microsoft Store when you look at HoloLens. And then um, you saw the menu that he was looking at, the main menu that he was picking stuff from. So what it does is it sort of does a skin around your app to give you some like buttons to get in and out, and then after that you use your app like you would normally. So if you use good uh, responsive sort of design techniques that you would change between like a major screen and a tablet, when you get to HoloLens, it should just work. So um, that's the easiest way to get your app working out HoloLens. If you only want a 2D app, but it doesn't seem to apply to most of you guys here. But there is this guy's got a, this guy did a really great talk about it on Build at Build. If you want to watch that video, it's online if you're interested in that. So we'll skip over that one because that doesn't really sort of apply to you guys. So for everyone who doesn't have any HoloLens, which is everyone but me and you, <laughs> um, the easiest way to get started is to use an emulator. Um, so what it allows you to do is run all those apps in an emulator like it is the HoloLens, um, and you can use the keyboard. So um, sort of go back to your desktop gaming days and go with your WASD keys to walk around so that moving. And then look, you need to use the arrow keys, look around. Uh, so your air tap, so you select as the enter key, and then your bloom is just the Windows key. So that's the emulator, and I'll show you um, quickly how to do that. But my preferred way to use the emulator is to hook up Xbox controller, because it's much. I find it much more responsive to use than hitting like the button like five times to look five ways to the right. Joysticks. So um, I'll show you that really quickly. Now, who's downloaded Visual Studio 2017 already? Okay, so, um, HoloLens doesn't quite work on Visual Studio 2017 yet. So hopefully you haven't uninstalled 2015. I haven't downloaded it yet, but one of my um, friends overseas had and who was playing HoloLens and said it doesn't work. She's So you need to run as admin. <laughs> And then I'll show you this um, this particular application in a minute, what it does. <coughs> so 
So what we've done is we've, we've built a Unity project and it creates a Visual Studio solution. I'll show you that a little bit later. Um, but then we open it in Visual Studio. And then you'll see that a lot of it is um, stuff you'll like notice, like code that you recognize, which is cool. So what we need to do is we need to pick um, the deep. So you need to go to debugger. We need to be. Oh, sorry. So we go to x86 and then we pick the HoloLens emulator. So um, you just download that, so there's a download, I'll show you the links later. Um, you download the emulator and then the other important thing is you have to tell it, um, so that's the emulator, or you can actually deploy straight to the um, HoloLens, which is why that IP address is there at the moment, but we're going to deploy to the emulator and run that. And hopefully it works. So you'll find um, sometimes it can be a bit flaky. I found sometimes it might take me three or four goes to deploy it. Um, it just sort of crashes every now and then for no reason. Which can be really frustrating when you're trying to just test something really quickly. laptop that I have is like it's a decent laptop like it's an i7 it's got 32 gig of RAM it's got a 4k screen so it's not a slow computer so I can guarantee that using the emulator is nowhere near as satisfying as playing with it on the actual device but when you don't have one it's better than nothing so as you can see, you can open it up. So this is your menu that you would have been seeing before through that live stream. And then I can move around using the keys. So that's launched the emulator. It's still deploying the um, app. Yeah, so you can you can turn that webcam on so it acts if you need to be able to see a video stream, like if you want to pick up, like if you wanted to recognize objects, you can use webcam. So what I have here is just two spheres. Um, the purple thing is the cursor that you would see with your eyes, and then you know you can move around, and then um, I can select things on it, which makes it bigger. That's the all it does in this app. So that's the emulator, you can move around and, and simulate things. So then the other thing you can do here is um, you can simulate pictures and tracking, you can see left hands, right hands, you can turn them on and off. Um, you can hook up a keyboard. So HoloLens does support um, Bluetooth keyboard as well, so that can be really handy if you want to be able to type. Um, funnily enough, which can get annoying if you have to do it by using your um, Hands 
So that's the emulator. So that's pretty cool. If you and it's really good if you want to test something quickly without deploying it all the way to HoloLens, or if you only got one HoloLens between people, which most of us have. So we saw that um, HoloLens works with voice, so you can hook up your own commands. But there's some that are very um, set. So the main one is select. So if you're having trouble getting the AirTap working or it's quite fiddly, you can always say select, and that will do an AirTap. Um, the other one is what they call see it, say it. So if there's a button, so if you looked at those menus and there's like scroll and hide and remove, if you say those words, it will pick those up and do what it's been clicking on that button. And then you've got Cortana as well. So with Cortana, um, you can get it to do a few things for you. Um, the one that I use a bit um, when I'm trying to take photos of what I'm doing is um, ask it to take a photo. So if you say, hey Cortana, take a picture, It'll take a screenshot of what you can see through the whole lens, which is kind of cool. Um, the other ones that I find useful that I use quite a bit is Go Home, which will take you back to that menu, so that's instead of doing the blue. And then shut down the device, we'll turn it off, rather than trying to find a little button at the back and wait for all the lights to go out. Um, so those are the built-in ones, so you can always like do things in addition. Now the other thing that's really useful, um, you guys like hold your hand out here for long. Um, you can't do it for very long before you get sort of tired. So if you need to do a lot of typing, um, if you're on a box where you want to type, you've popped up that keyboard rather than going blah 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 and like typing a paragraph of text, you can turn the microphone on and talk to it, and it will do Cortana voice recognition. Um, I'm a bit hit and miss. I always find that. Cortana's a lot better than it used to be, but I found originally it would never deal with my accent properly. Um, it seems to always deal with American accents better than Australian, but it, I think it has got a lot better. Um, I find it not particularly good for me with numbers. Um, Yeah, so to activate those specific built-in ones for Cortana, if you say, hey, Cortana, she sort of turns on and you'll hear a little, like, da sound, and then say the words. Because you might want to use um, Go Home yourself, but if you say, hey, Cortana, then the... Hey, Cortana, Go Home, yeah. So the next thing I wanted to mention was sort of like the elephant in the room um, that everyone sort of talks about after they use HoloLens for a bit, which is the field of view. So um, you might have noticed it when you're looking at the emulator that it looks really tiny, and you might have noticed it as well um, that it's quite limited. So it's a little box. It's they use it as uh, degrees of light when they quote it. So they don't actually quote exactly the number of pixels, but it works out around 1460 by 804, um, and then it's um, yeah, 34 degrees. So you'll find it's quite limited. So you don't get anything in your peripheral vision and then if you're right up and like down, it'll sort of cut the image. So it's about really designing your application for what your limitations are. So back to when you, you know, went from having a giant monitor with a web application and then you had to put that onto a mobile phone, if you didn't do any sort of responsive design or ultimate view, it would crack. So you have to think about that as well when you're designing the whole thing. So the ones where you really notice the field of view is ones where, I, like to me, it's the ones that are trying to do a VR experience, where they're trying to paint the whole world. So you're painting your vision, but you can see at the edges that 
like that environment isn't there. And as you look around, it will move as well, but it's not surrounding your whole whole field view. So just be really conscious of that as well. So you will have noticed, like as you walk in towards that dark proton, you sort of start to get that clipping. You're going to see the bit, that bit, rather than that bit, right? So some of that, a lot of the apps um, haven't been designed well for that. Um, but just need to think about that when you keep that in mind. It's just a limitation of the device for now. But it's not that uncommon, right? So if we look back in history, um, think about TV. Um, I know I wasn't alive back then, but in 1909, um, they started out at 8 by 8 pixels for a letter. That's what they decided they needed. In the 1920s, this is one of the first sort of images they had per TV. So it was a 30 scan lines. And you can still tell that's a person, right? Like you can still tell that's a little girl. And then that's 1920s, so we've moved forward in history and what have we got now? Like some of us, how many kids have we got 4K TV? Yeah, and like they're talking about 8K. Like technology only gets better, right? So knowing that you're limited by that field of view, don't, don't think it's going to be like that forever, right? Cool. So, when we start out with HoloLens, if you're not building a 2D app, which I think none of you are going to be, um, I would definitely recommend using um, the Holo Toolkit. So that's um, a library that Microsoft have put together to help you get started. It helps you do a bunch of stuff that you don't want to have to write the code for. So, for me, um, I'm a developer, I'm not a designer, so and I'm not a Unity game developer. So for me, it was a, it, it's a big learning curve, like in that Unity environment, and then you've got to build everything from scratch. So there's no graph control, you know, there's no bindable text box, there's no everything that you're used to having to make your life easy is not there. <laughs> um, so they've done a few things to help you. So they've got a bunch of stuff that um, you can drag and drop in to help you get started. So they have some text as well, which they've designed and looked at to be the right text to look through the holograms with, and so they're clear. Because if you just go put any sort of unity text on there, and you look at it through HoloLens, it can look really crappy. So they've worked out the right font, the right pixels and stuff, so you're in the right sort of area to start with. So I'll show you how we start with that. as well, so you can actually um, make changes to it and request like pull requests. So um, I'm going to start with a new project, and then we can always flip to the end one. Let's get my notes out so I don't forget the step. <laughs> So they have a, a package that for the Holy Toolkit, so we can import that. So it's a custom package, and I just have to remember where I put it. Just, uh, 
what that does is import the whole package. Now, what they've given you is the stuff that you can use, but they've also given you a set of examples. So um, I actually tend to import everything because sometimes I want to use bits and pieces from their examples as well because it helps me get started. So you can choose what you want to import. Uh, so this is all the actual stuff that you should use there. And then they've got their whole toolkit examples as well. Um, I find them really good because you just go through them and see how they did something and then pull out the bits that you want. And then sometimes I've found they do something that I want to steal like, a, like one of the scripts for. So uh, you can import the whole thing or you can import the specific bits and pieces that you want to use on your project. But we'll import everything for now. So what it does is it adds a new menu for you as well. And it does help you a bunch of stuff that involves about 12 clicks um, as well. So it takes a little bit. This is like where you go and get a copy. Yeah, so each project that you create, you have to import it. But if you know what you want, you can just import the bits that you need. So I'm importing everything, which is why it takes a little bit. Um, and then once you import it, obviously you've got everything. Uh, I know some of the other guys, they have their, like, you know, top five that they use and they make a separate package that they import as well. But um, I I tend to pull all the new updates as well, so I like to just import everything so I have the latest of all their code. Okay, so that's loaded. I'll just refresh top. So it added a new menu up here to Apollo Toolkit. So the thing that I usually go and do first is that um, it goes and applies some project settings for you. So I run that one and that'll restart. This is where you can decide, uh, this is what it does for you. So what it does, instead of going through all the menus in Unity, it sets it up as a Windows Store app, it sets it to Direct3D, it sets the quality of fastest, which is worst, and enables VR for you. So you do that one, always do that one. Um, so that just reloads the project again um, and applies those settings. So the guys that have used Unity, you guys game devs. No, what do you use Unity for? People that are students, uni, uni project. 
And then the next one you want to do is set the C, uh, set the capability. So this is, uh, so if you've done any Windows Store, Apple Windows Phone, it adds that stuff in your manifest to tell what you want to enable in the store. So if you want to be able to use the microphone, if you want to use spatial, if you want to use the webcam, or if you want to use the internet, you can tick these on and it will add it for you. Um, and then the other one is, uh, the, is the scene settings. So what that does is it moves the camera, it um, sets it to black, rather than the default one. So black is transparent for Windows holographic. So um, have to remember that if you're doing Windows um, universal apps, if you've got a black background in your app, it'll become transparent, which so you might need to have an alternate skin. Um, and it updates the clipping pane. So they set it to default by 0.85, which is 85 centimeters. Um, I, if I have a nice hologram that I'm looking at, I like to set it really close, like which is why on the, on DP I set it to 10 centimeters because I want to get up and have a really good look at his claws. But if you've got a less, if you don't want them up that close, then you can set it to wherever you want. And then so that's the first step. Hasn't done much. So what we're gonna do? So what it's done here is it's um, pulled in these assets for you. So there's a whole pile of stuff that they have here. They've, all in, they've sort of already done them in nice folders for you. And then if you want to look at their examples, you can see some of theirs as well. Um, and then under each one, which is also interesting to play with, is you can always go through and look at their tests. So how do they test each of their different components? And sometimes that can give you some interesting bits of code snippets as well that you can use. So that's the first bit. So what we're going to do is we're going to create a sphere. So, because I have zero design skills, so we'll just go with basic sphere. So we'll put the sphere in, and then we're going to like move him slightly to the left. So we're going to set him to. So first we'll scale him down. So he's not huge. And then And then we're going to raise him up from the floor a bit. Okay, so then we've got a sphere, which isn't going to do much for us. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to use some of their, their modules. So we go into their prefabric that they have, and they have a set of different curses for us. So they have um, a bunch of different curses that you can choose from. Um, some have a hand, some are just a cursor, and that one I had that you saw for Dippy, that was like, had that fuzzy purple, and then when you went over something that it could detect had a collision, so if it had it knows there's something there, it changed to that blue. So you can pick whatever cursor you want, and we just drag him on. Cursor. And then we grab input manager. So this sort of just handles um, different events that come up and it's a good place um, they quite default handle the gestures and hand input and stuff like that. And then we'll add an event
So then they have a, a, a little script that I can grab on as well, and I can do a tap responder. So what that does is it adds a little script to the spiel. So what that'll do is it'll automatically handle um, attack. So um, we're yet to actually write code. Um, but what I can do is I can show you um, what that script looks like. So this is their default script and then you can override what it does. So you'll see it'll launch out into the studio then for you. So what that'll do is when you do that air tap or select, it'll run that script against that sphere. And you can then change what you want it to do. I'm just gonna take a little bit to load. While it's doing that, I'll add another one. So all it does is um, that particular class, um, it implements, they've got an interface with our input handler, which is an input clicked, and what they've done is they've taken a particular game object and they've just um, scaled it, so they're just making it a different size. So what it'll do, you saw in the emulator, so what we're building is that one with the two spheres, so what it'll do is just, it'll just keep making it bigger every time you click it, bit by bit. So you can take that code out and make it do whatever you want. So what I did for, um, for Dippy was I did an air tap in the air and where you placed it, I just created a new game object. So I used the same tap responder, but I just took the guts out of the code and changed it to something completely different. But then you don't have to set up all these interfaces and stuff yourself, so you can start with that. Now the next one I'm going to add. So this one here, um, so you know how we did the voice commands with Dippy to change it from male to female to the baby. So this, what this does is take a lot of that um, coding away from you, so it makes it a lot simpler. So this is a, they have a prefab, so it's like a, like a prepackaged thing for you. You can import that, and then what we do is we can add keywords to it. So um, it simplified it a lot for us so we don't have to write all that code. So all we do on this guy um, is we can come over here, And it makes the scripts for us, and it's, you can set up when you want it to start. So auto start means it runs all the time, and then you can do a manual start. So you can say you don't want to do it until you've done something else, so you can turn it on and off at any time. So then the cool thing here is then you can start adding your own code. So they made it simple, so you can say how many phrases do you want to support? And I recommend using phrases, um, short words, so it can be like two to three words rather than just a single word. 
a single word, you're more likely to get um, a missing. So if you make it two words, it's going to be more likely to get it and not get confused with something else. So by default, what they've done is they've given you two, and they've called it make bigger and make smaller. And then you can come through and you can tell it um, what the key code is. So if you want to set up a, a hot key on the keyboard as well, and then you can go and tell it what you want to hook to. So what you can do is you can hook it to a specific game object. So if you want to hook it only to that single sphere, you can put it to that one that's named there. Or if you set it up in the right hierarchy, you can put it up the list of uh, game objects. So if I had a, a lot of people will do a manager, so they might do a blank. I'll show you what they would do. They might create a blank game object. And then they might put like the severe under it. And if you hook the keyword manager up to the top level, it'll look for everything there and below. So if, if you want to get all the game objects under a single particular tree to react to the same commands, it can hit every one of them. And then because this one's called the focused object key manager, as opposed to just key manager, it'll only work on the thing that you're looking at. So we, I used that one on Dippy so that when I would only change it to like mail when on the one you're looking at rather than make every one of them blue. And then all you do is you make up your keywords. So they may make bigger, make smaller, you can make it bigger. You hook it up and you tell it what the function name is and um, off it goes. So what I'll do rather than creating it all from scratch is I'll go back to this one here. and open in Unity for you so you can see the input. So to create um, the red and blue sphere where you can look at it and you can tap on it and make it bigger and smaller, you don't. You can pretty much do that without writing any code. You can just use all their prefab um, scripts and stuff. So. Just open that up so you can see it. So all I did here is I made them different colors. So what we did was um, I created a couple of materials and then I set their color. So then I applied them. So I created um, so I created two spheres, a left sphere and a right sphere. One's red, one's blue. Um, I made an empty object so I could collect them. I added my input manager, my event system, which we just did earlier. Then I added my null cursor, and then the keyword manager I did on make bigger and on make smaller. And so then if we go and have a look at that code, we can go to the script. And all I did for that one is sort of, um, I used the same script that we did for the tap and just made it slightly bigger every time you hit it. So to do that, I didn't actually have to write any code because they've got the prefab. But if you want to do something fancy, you can change it. So what we'll do, I think it's actually already on the whole lens. Let me just check. Otherwise, we can deploy it.
history in a minute. Who wants to be my next volunteer? Oh, you're back on the menu. Oh, kicked you out. Okay, so if you do a bloom for me. Yep, and if you go to the plus sign. Yep, and then click on the one that says sphere. Yep. And then put that somewhere. It's a lot easier to do, and I can see what you can see. And then... It'll load up and you'll see I'm making Unity logo. Yeah, and then a little bit after that, you should see a couple of spheres appear. Yep. Yep, okay, so, so these are super simple, right? So basic objects. So when he taps on them, he can make them bigger. I haven't got to make smaller. And then he can also use, should be able to do make bigger using voice. And I'll just get bigger and bigger and bigger because I haven't put any upper limit on it. Now, the other one I want to show you is another app that um, that Microsoft did. So I don't usually like I don't like to show this one. First off, because it's a game, and then it makes people think games rather than applications. But I think it's one of the best um, demonstrations of like using good field of view and special sound and stuff like that. So, um, who wants to have? Um, yeah. No, no, these are mine. Sorry, I'm streaming. So I'm not you might get a bit dizzy. Okay, so if you hold the phone, just sorry. Yeah, because one of my friends who wears glasses, he had a lot of trouble with the Oculus. He can fit it on with his glasses on. But these things you can do it. So you can use my face. Awesome. Um, so if you can go back to the menu, so if you do a bloom for me. So I'm going to stand here so I can see what you're saying. So fist, then open out like a petal. There you go. Yeah, and then go into, oh no, click on the one that says Robo Ray there. So look at the one that says Robo Ray. Yeah, and then attack. Try again. Yeah. And then place that one somewhere. 
So this one uses spatial mapping. So what this one does is it's going to ask him to look at the room. So what it does is it works out where the walls are. So if, maybe if you look over near the where the tiled surface is, that might be a good one to start with. Yeah, look at wall. What it does is it's going to map the room, and then these little aliens are going to come out, and then he needs to kill them before they kill him. And so he has to look at them and air tap to kill them, but then they're going to shoot back. So he needs to dodge them. <laughs> And then as he fires, what it's going to do is create damage. <laughs> yep, so maybe keep looking at, maybe try a different wall as well. Not until it says it's on. That hasn't started yet. Oh, right. So maybe move a little bit closer to that wall. There you go. Yep, yep, tap to place. Okay, yep, sure. Yep, so now look, walk around and stuff so it can scan the wall. Yeah. So see that little red marker? It's telling you to do something. So that sent you back to the game. So you need to click on start game. So it's finished scanning, it's happy. Yep. Still level one, yep. And you might want to do endless mode, I don't know. Okay, so when you air tap, you'll fire. You'll see that you put a hole in the wall, so if you want to walk up a bit closer, like it looks like there's pipes and stuff there. So you can imagine that how this could be interesting if it, like you had the blueprint for like the house and you could see what where the pipes and electrical are supposed to be um, before you go and put a nail in and electrocute yourself. Um, so it'll it'll come up and give you like the little red arrow is telling you where the bad guys are. So you probably need to turn to your right. Red arrow? I can't see the red arrow. Oh yeah, yeah, it's okay, it's up. Yeah, so they'll start pulling out and then they'll start firing at you. So, because it's mapped the room, it knows where it can place the things and it knows where they can fall out and it knows that it can cool down a wall. And then as he keeps firing and missing, uh, he'll, he'll do more damage to the actual walls and stuff, which that's pretty cool. So, yeah, yeah, you do have infinite bullets. Tell you where the bad guys are. So after I, um, when I first got this and I played this for a little bit, um, 
my boyfriend had a go at it, and uh, he didn't realize you could dodge. And after I pointed out you could dodge, he's doing like barrel rolls across the bedroom and jumping under the bed. I'm just like, take it a little bit seriously now. So you can get quite into it. And the cool thing is you can play with it in your own environment. So obviously you can hide on the table and stuff like that, which is a bit different. Like you can do the shooters in the VR stuff, but you can't hide on the real things. You can hide behind fake things. I always like keep my arms on walls and tables and stuff when I'm playing them. So what do you think of that? That is very cool. Highly addictive. <laughs> have you um, have you tried the VR stuff before? Yeah, I've played the Oculus Rift. Yeah. So and then how would you describe how it's different? This is a bit more vivid. I mean, this it could just be this game that's that's really bright and just kind of vibrant. The the, the color is vivid. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is, but it's because it's overlaid on top of things. It just, it's freaky. <laughs> In a good way though, right? It is, it's good, it's fantastic. It's, it's, um, it's almost worth uh, plunging up the money for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Am I fucking this? Has anyone got a stick? Can I, get, can I just use a stick to read the money? No, so I only recognise your gestures that you'd have to program in extra recognition if you wanted to do extra things like use additional objects. Yes, um, so it picks up both hands and it'll usually pick up, it'll pick up the one that can first see, but it, it knows the two different hands and you need both at once, but generally you're only uh, if you're using things like Hello Chilpy, you're only going to like, pick up an air tap. You won't say, I want the left air tap. So they'll both trigger a tap event. Yes, yeah, so um, it will. Uh, so there's a few other apps. So like there's an aquarium one. And so what it'll do is it'll spatially map the room and then the fish will swim behind the table. So then you can set up different occlusion modes when you... Um, program it so you can either have it so that you can see through. So with Dippy, um, I didn't set up occlusion. So if I stuck it over there behind the table, I would see I would see it even though the table's in the room. But you can set up so it's occluded. So if you put something behind an object, you can't see it until you walk around. So if you put it behind the chair on this side, I wouldn't see it. But when I walked to here, I would suddenly see it. So you have that option, depending on how you want your application to work. Because sometimes you don't want to be able to see things, and sometimes you always want to be able to see things. <laughs> Had enough for now? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> nice work. You did some good damage there too. That's a good exercise too. Luckily it's virtual damage. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, yes. So, yes. Um, it doesn't work very well in a moving vehicle. Because um, it has to, like, if you turn spatial mapping on. So, um, my first idea was I thought it could be really cool for driver training. Um, so, Maybe not for the driver, but I was thinking, my first idea was that you do driver training, you know, and the guy goes, stop, and you stop before you hit the cone. But what if you had, like, a holographic kangaroo jump out in front of the car, and if you didn't stop, like, the kangaroo goes flat? 
But because um, you want spatial mapping for that, this when you're moving the vehicle at 60k an hour, this doesn't sort of calibrate enough fast enough, and it sort of freaks out. Um, there's a few YouTube videos on it where the guy's sitting in the passenger seat, and it's just like going crazy. Um, also, I don't think I'd want to be wearing this if an airbag went off. Probably smashing my face up. Sorry, I'll turn the stream off. Okay, so before I get more questions, um, here's probably my sort of top links if you want to get started. So that's the link to the Australian store if you want to buy a device. Um, if you look for it, you, it always sends you to the US store and you don't want to do that because it will let you buy it and then you need a US address and um, you'll be paying US dollars and it'll ship to the US. You want to get to the Australian site so that you can pay GST and stuff. Um, the forums are really well manned by the Microsoft guys and a bunch of the MVPs. Um, that there is a tool, so that's what everything you need to install. So that's Windows Holographic, that's um, the emulator, everything that you need to get started, even if you don't have the device. The companion app, which is that Windows 10 device, the Windows 10 app I've been showing you the live stream. That one is really handy as well. Holo Toolkit is a GitHub repository open source. Um, yeah, definitely check that one out. It'll save you so much time um, when you're developing. Um, for me, I found um, Rick Browser did a creative coding with Unity um, like sessions, like about nine on Channel Nine, and I found it really good because Unity's really like I found Unity like it's just a different tool again from Visual Studio. So like making some spinning cubes, making them into a script, making that a prefab, you know, how to change the camera angles, like. All that sort of stuff that you could spend ages and ages trying to work at yourself. Um, and it's the latest version of Unity as well. So when I first started playing with it, you know, you find a, a tutorial from like a previous version of Unity and then you find out that you can do that now in like one click rather than writing stuff. Um, and then if you want to um, get a link to that mixed reality device, you can sign up to get a bit, if you want to sign up to get that, be on the list to get that Acer device and get more information. Cool. So, um, anyone got any more questions? Yeah. And what's the battery life like? And did you replace it? You can't pull it apart. Well, you probably could. Um, you can't buy a spare battery. It lasts about uh, six hours. But I tend to plug it back in all the time when I'm not using it. Because it depends what you're doing as well. Like, depends how intense processing you're doing. But yeah, I've got it running, I can leave it sit there during the day and stuff like that. I just tend to plug it in so that when someone goes to play with it, it doesn't switch off on me. Yeah. Right, so to publish the Microsoft Store, you need to have a, an account. Um, so I've got a company one, but you can get an individual one as well. So there's a yearly fee. Um, I've got a Visual Studio subscription, so that makes it free, it means I have Visual Studio, um, like MSDN subscription. And then what you do, have you done any other App Store stuff? Anything like Apple or... Yeah, so they're all really similar, so you need to like package it up, you upload it to the store, you have to supply screenshots and descriptions and, and stuff like that. And then it goes through a review process, and when you take Windows holographic, the actual, um, call it like the Windows, uh, 
Holland team that will look at them specifically as well, and then I'll feature ones that I think are good. Um, yeah, yeah, like they'll do an extra check as well because they only put, like they try to highlight good versions of holographic apps. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't tried that. Um, yeah, it's a good question. I should actually, so my brother actually has an Oculus. I don't know if it would work. Because I don't know if I'd be able to deploy it. Yeah, I'd have to try it. It's a good question though. It's a really interesting question. Um, I think like one of the interesting things is going to be like building apps for multiple things, right? Like it works on Windows 10, works on like HoloLens, works on like the Acer trim down device. And then how do you then also port that to also work on a similar app to work on Oculus as well? But, yeah, that's a really good question. Microsoft have a lot of cognitive services API, so it'll do facial recognition, um, and it'll give you the points for like where different facial features are and where that facial square is and stuff like that. No, 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 those APIs aren't. Alright, oh, yeah, so they've got some, they're really quite cheap at the moment. One's on Agile. So you need to, it'll be a little bit delayed, but yeah, um, I haven't seen Civic toolkit with HoloLens yet, though. <laughs> any other questions? You guys got any ideas of what you'd build with it, if you had one? You have ideas? You don't know? Sorry. Keep it to yourself, okay. I don't know, um, I, thought it's, I think it's a really interesting device, so like, when, um, so I've got a bike and um, I needed to change out, I was changing it, changing my rear derailleur in my cluster and I hadn't ever done that before. And the problem with it is that I got really greasy and I didn't want to go back to my computer and look up the next step. So I was like, hey, I've got a HoloLens. Um, so I put my HoloLens on and I can look at the video and then go back to the bike and then do the next step and then look at the video. Like, as a super poor man's, like, training material is great. But, um, I think the potential for training stuff would be awesome. Like, for it to then show me that I need the particular uh, chain tool and then it goes a particular direction and show me which way first before I do it and tell it that I've done that correctly. Like, all that sort of stuff is going to be really interesting. And all those environments where you, know, you don't want to have to go and touch things, like the store picker. Like, for me, when I go around the supermarket and I'm pushing the trolley, I don't have to go going back to my list to see where I'm at. I turn on my HoloLens and tick off my shopping list and it's tell me what aisle all this stuff is in. Yes? An extension on that, and this is something I'm saying absolutely good, the uh, Occupation of Health and Safety Workplace Introduction Service. So you can touch everything in green, everything in red, don't get anywhere near it, and uh, you could uh, colorize or you know, turn up the entire OHS policy 
in interactive housing. I've seen the executive there and going up to the left too. Yes, definitely. Hi. Yeah. Um, I've just been playing with it a lot, actually. Um, I've been touring a few different places. The problem, so the problem I have at the moment is I have two different types of clients. I have the clients that have bought parlance that don't have any clue what they want to build with it. So that's interesting. And then I have the other clients which haven't bought a whole lens and kind of bought it and have cool things they want to do. So it's kind of interesting. But um, Australia's a bit tough because it's only sort of just come out. But um, quite a few of my friends in Cs have done a few things. So they've been doing stuff with like auto manufacturers and a lot of airplane simulations. Um, so I don't know if you guys have seen, there's one called Hollow Flight. It tracks like flights in Hawaii and planes coming in and stuff like that. Yeah, um, the other problem I have at the moment as well is a lot of the clients that have seen the potential are the sort of clients that are conscious of safety. So, and then the, the, the next step of that is that when they're doing things, they need to be wearing safety goggles. So then they can't wear HoloLens. So they want to do something and like, oh, this would be perfect, but I need to be wearing safety goggles at the time. And it's not certified as a safety goggle device. And it's not hasn't got the right CE certification to be near a lot of that machinery. So that's where a lot of the like the one alternate devices like Daiquiri and stuff like that have sort of positioned themselves as like to target those places that need safety glasses as well. But yeah, government always um, always a hard sell here. Like there's a lot of the small like Windows Seven. <laughs> GPS. Uh, it's Windows 10. Depends how accurately you've turned on your location services. I haven't explained how accurate it is. It's not as, I don't find it as accurate as my phone. Yeah. Yep. So this, the spatial mapping um, is as good as you saw on that, like when it's clicking around. So it's a it's a rough idea. Um, if you want to get to textures, so I don't know, have you, did you ever see the Connect Puntos? So it had um, it had a really interesting depth camera. So you could it had a extra thing they called fusion. So you could 3D map. You could go around and. You get like the keys on the keyboard, and you get quite a lot of detail, and from that you can print 3D images. Um, the whole lens isn't going to give you that much definition, so for that you're going to want to use something else to get this 3D model first. It'll give you a rough one, and then you've got the color image as well that you could then wrap around it if you want to create like a hologram of a person. But it's not going to give you the definition like that you, that I think that you're. And anything else? Well, thank you guys very much for having me. So.
I always like seeing people use the devices at the best time. It's always funny to watch them. Thank you, Roland.